Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of the Novus Church Podcast. We're so excited for this episode, guys. I've been looking forward to it all week because not only do we have today Pastor Brenton from Port Elizabeth, South Africa, uh, Ebenezer, um, he's an incredible man, but we also have Pastor Brian Starley coming on tomorrow. But I really feel like uh, through Pastor Brenton igniting the fire today, uh, the Lord's going to trigger something in you guys. So you got to come back tomorrow for the next episode, um, but also stay to the end to watch this. But um, Pastor Brenton has been a friend of mine for a couple months now, um, and he came on a while ago when we were Bethel moments. Um, but he, he is someone I look up to. Um, he, he is like a forerunner for, uh, South Africa. I really believe the Lord is going to use him and is already using him to transform and build the kingdom in Port Elizabeth and throughout South Africa. And I'm just excited to partner with him and see what God does. And I just really want to get into this and introduce to you guys again, pastor Brenton Goldman. Uh, what's up, bro? How you guys doing? Thank you so much, Justin, for having me once again. Um, you know, God has a way of connecting people who are like-minded. And I believe like when God connects me with someone like yourself, that unity commands a blessing. And I, I even just, I'm expecting whenever I connect with people that are like-minded, we have the same spirit that we are believing God for the same things. I'm also saying, God, let this unity this 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 unity of purpose, this unity of destiny, this unity of what we are hungry for for our people in our generation, that God would release blessing upon people, you know, and just uh, a blessing of peace of mind, the blessing of God's word being heard, the blessing of encountering Him in worship, and so it's a blessing for me to be here with you today and. For everyone that's that's tuning in and everyone that's going to watch it, um, and I, I believe that that God is is moving with a generation that is just willing to 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 forsake it all. The Bible says in Matthew four nineteen that Jesus comes and and this is the the, the pinnacle uh, a part of where everything is shifting and Jesus is choosing people who's going to walk with Him, who's going to be discipled by Him. I mean, imagine being discipled by Jesus himself. I mean, what a privilege, what an honor. Um, and he says something to them. He says, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Follow me and I will make you. Whenever you're going to make something, you make it with the intention of what the purpose must be. I don't know anyone who's taken things and said, you know, I'm going to just grab a couple of pieces of wood, put them together and uh, without deciding beforehand what you want them to be or what you want it to be, you realize that you, you, you're getting the wood together because you need a table. So you need a tabletop and you need uh, the legs on the side so that it will stand. Where Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. He knew that the world would not need just members, uh, but he, he realized that the world will need disciples, disciplined followers of Christ. And I want to encourage us today. Even as we, even as you are watching and wherever you're watching from, that God is causing a generation to be disciplined followers, that we are going to be choosing Jesus all the time, 
Choosing him over our pain, choosing him over our brokenness, choosing him over our circumstances, choosing him over what happened yesterday, because the future that God has for us is secure. The Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you. The plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. And even as we journey, we see Matthew 4, 19 verse 20 says, and they drop their nets immediately. They drop their nets. And I believe that God is going to call a generation that is willing to forsake it all. God is going to call a generation that is willing to say, if God is calling, I'm going. If God is calling, I'm dropping. I'm, I'm telling you this. If you can let go of your dream for God's dream, then God will make sure that your dreams are part of his dreams. If you can forsake it and just say, God, you know, I've, I'm a musician, by the way. I play guitar and sing. But I've said to the Lord, I can, I can lay this down to see your glory come for a generation. I don't need to be known as a speaker. I don't need to be known as a worship leader. Um, I, I want to be known as a son of God who, who, who heaven looks down upon and says, well done, good and faithful servant. When Jesus is calling a generation, I think sometimes we forget that one day we're going to meet him in heaven. And when we get to heaven, he's going to place an image or a picture before us and say, Brenton, let me use my, let me use myself because I don't want to offend anyone. It's safe to use myself as an example. So when I get to heaven, I'm, I'm saying, God, I, when, when I get there, Jesus is going to come and he's going to say, Brenton, let me show you what I predestined for you to be. When, when, I, when, when, when Jeremiah says that before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, let me show you the version of Brenton I knew before he, was in your, before he was in his mother's womb. And when I stand with Jesus in heaven and he puts the picture of myself, I want him to say, Brenton, because you know what? Jesus is not going to call me Pastor B. He's going to call me on my name. The Bible says that he calls us by our name. And, and he's going to say, Brenton, Look at the version of yourself that I intended you to be. And he's going to look at me and say, praise God that you became what I predestined you to be. In Ephesians, it says that he predestined it, that we should walk into it, which means God has already established your success. God has already established your breakthrough. The thing is that it's in a future that you've got to just walk into. Stop striving. Stop thinking that when Jesus calls you and you're going to follow him and you're going to serve him, that it's hard work. It's not hard work if you love it. And I think a lot of us in our generation are missing following Jesus for the work that we have to do. Man, if it's tiring you to pack chairs on a Sunday, then don't pack the chairs because you've got to do it with joy. And, and, and if you do it, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I love my wife so much. That, you know, every Friday, uh, uh, the dirt truck comes around. Um, I know in America, you guys call it trash. Um, and in South Africa, we just call it rubbish. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, the, 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 the truck comes around and picks up all the dirt. And it's really something I don't enjoy doing. I don't like taking out the dirt early. You have to take it really early out in the morning because they come out early. But, you know, because... Because I love my wife, when she asks me to do this, I'm willing to do anything for her, even if it means taking out the trash. 
And sometimes we got to realize that in the kingdom of God, when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you, it means that God can create in you something that you've never seen before in yourself. I bet you that Peter always thought that he would be a fisherman. Always thought that he was going to be on a boat. That's why he had the business. He was making money out of it. He was sustaining his family. He was enjoying it. But I think he didn't, he didn't realize that God's plan for him, uh, he thought he would always be literally fishing. But God said, I will make you, follow me and I will make you fishers, fishers. I will make you fishers of men. And when we come to Jesus, I want to encourage you with this, that as we come into him, he's going to cause us, the thing that he's going to make us, the thing that is creating it, I'm reminded of Psalms 51, creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When God is going to create in you, he's going to put something in you that you've never had before. All of a sudden, Peter is desiring to see people come to Jesus. All of a sudden, the other disciples, they forsook everything. They left everything. Matthew, the tax collector, you know, uh, it, it didn't matter how much money was coming through the table. He left it all and followed Jesus. That tells you that purpose will always push us to do something that we never thought we would do. Purpose will always push you to experience God. That's why I love this. And I'm laying this as a foundation to say that there's a generation that needs to forsake it all and follow Jesus. We need to forsake it all and follow Jesus. It's the only way we're going to bring revival. I, I, I'm telling you, whether it be here in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, in Johannesburg, Cape Town, Durban, wherever, whatever part of South Africa, whatever part of the United States, I believe that if we are not wholeheartedly following Jesus, then we will miss a whole generation that wants to see a generation that understands commitment. And I want to say when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you, the first thing that we got to realize is that we got to follow. Many people are not good leaders because they weren't good followers. We got to understand that it's important to be, when you, let me, let me put it to you this way. Where was Joshua when Moses was standing at the Red Sea? Can I tell you where he was? He was there watching Moses. He was there watching him. And so, one generation is encountering God absolutely through observation. They are watching what we are. There's, there's, some, there's some young man who's nine years old looking at Tristan and saying, man, when I grow up and I want to follow Jesus, I want to be like Tristan. There's some, some young man looking in church and saying, I want to be like Pastor B. And you know what? That is the first way they encounter Jesus is that we got to put up, we, we are ambassadors, the Bible says. We are Christ's representatives. We represent Jesus. The word says it in, in, in Genesis 1.26. We are made in his image and his likeness. Come on, so, so many of us um, uh, want to look like Jesus, but not be like Jesus. Uh, many people can look like him, but not be like him. But I'm saying God is raising up a generation. I can feel the Holy Spirit on that. God is raising up a generation that doesn't just want to look like church, but wants to be the church. Uh, God is raising up a generation that doesn't want to just go to church, but actually wants to build the church. That's why I believe when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. 
It's about a thing of saying, God, uh, I don't need to try and do it. God's doing it. God's doing it. And I want to say that God, God wants more from us. <laughs> God wants more. Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, no one who pursues anything passively can experience the true potential of anything. And if you say, you know, I want to be used by God, but you reading your Bible when the pastor's reading the scriptures to you on Sunday, then, then your approach is all wrong. If you saying, I want to be, I want the anointing to, to lay my hands upon the sick and they recover. Um, if, if, if you're not doing it um, with, a, with, 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 with seeking him, Matthew 6 says that, that you've got to be secret place people. If you're, not, if you're not behind the closed door with Jesus alone in a room, don't expect Jesus to show up in a crowd. If you can't be alone with him in a room, how do you know someone? You've got to spend time with him. How will you know what he wants to do when you have a crowd in front of you? If you don't spend time with him to hear his voice. You know, a, a gener there's a generation that believes that you, we spend time alone with God for power. Now we spend time alone with God for intimacy. Intimacy produces power. He says what you do in secret, I will reward you. That means it's a reward from being in the secret place. If there's no secret place pursuit, there's no public place victories. There's got to be secret place pursuits before this public place victories. Now I want to I want to encourage you um and I, I, I wanted to lay this foundation because nothing happens without serving him. I, 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 I don't mind how big our churches may be. And, 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 and you know, maybe if you, you tell someone how big your church is, it impresses them. Um, uh, or you tell someone what you started. But I want to say our purpose is never to impress anyone. Our purpose is always to impart the Holy Spirit into people. Our purpose is always to impart greatness into them. And even as, as I was sharing this, you know, I, I said to, to, to my church here in Port Elizabeth, I said, this year for us, and I believe that, that I'm seeing it all over, that, that this year is going to be a year of manifestation. This year is where it, the things you are, you are expecting from God, you'll begin to see it. The things that you believe in God for, you'll begin to see it. You just have to prepare yourself for what God's about to do. That's the thing. Many people want the increase, but not many people want to make room for the increase. When you make room for increase, it's going to cost you. But one thing we've learned in the kingdom of God, that whatever costs you always pays. Whatever price you pay today, the, the, the promise will always outweigh the sacrifice. The promise will always outweigh the sacrifice. Uh, uh, this Sunday, uh, this past Sunday, we did our first fruit Sunday. We were believing God for breakthrough. And God dropped us in my spirit that there will always be more fruit than there will be seed. Because whenever the Bible says this, it's a principle, um, and I'm just sharing my heart here, it's a principle that every seed must produce after its kind. If, if, you want, if you want the windows of heaven to be open, you need to tithe. That's the seed of the tithe. If you want the fruit to be blessed, the ground to be open, you've got to sow the seed of first fruits. 
The tithe opens the heavens. The seed of first fruits opens the ground. The seed of honor gives you access. Uh, the seed of prayer gives you revival. Come on. And the seed of baptism gives you breakthrough. When you baptize, look at Jesus. He gets baptized after he, 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 he comes out of the wilderness. But then after he's baptized, his ministry starts. The power of baptism uh, uh, releases the supernatural power of God in your life. And as, 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 I'm, uh, as I'm coming to an, uh, a close here and, and, and uh, just wrapping up some thoughts, I want you to go to Isaiah 54. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, your notepads, wherever you're watching from, whatever you're using, I want you to, um, I'm, uh, I was just laying a foundation. I'm actually going to share the word uh, that God's laid on my heart with you right now. And so if you have your Bibles, I always uh, like to tell a generation to have an actual Bible. Um, my daughters, you know, they Gen, Gen Z, and uh, because they're always on the iPads and the phones, and um, I tell them, you know, um, you, I, I, I love to tease my daughters and say, you get greater revelation when you have the Word of God in your hand. Because when you have the Word of God in your hand and you begin to read it, the Word of God jumps from in your hand and it goes into your heart. Uh, so I'm always, I'm always making it interesting for them. But here's the thing, when they actually take the Bible, they do get greater revelation. They do receive greater impartation of God's word because you read the word and faith comes by hearing. And as they read it, they're hearing the word of God and the word of God is penetrating their hearts. So I want to read the word of God to you so that it can penetrate your heart. And I believe what I'm about to share with you is really going to shift someone who is going to be tuning in. Listen to this, Isaiah 54, verse 1. Sting, O barren, you who have not born... Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate woman than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, I just want to stop at verse 1 before we, before we go to anything. The Bible says, sing, O barren. Break forth into singing. Now, this doesn't make sense because if you are barren, you don't have a reason to sing. Um, when you are barren, it's either two reasons. Uh, it's either because you don't have seed or you cannot keep seed. Now, here's the thing. What God is saying, that whether you can keep seed or you have not seed, God is saying you need to believe even when you don't have. Sing, O barren. Break forth into singing. Cry aloud all the things that are not as though they were. You see, we live in a, in a society that, that, that only believes when they've seen, uh, only, only, only pursues what, 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 what their eyes are, are, are enticing them with. But God is saying, sing, O barren, which means sing when you, don't, when you don't have anything. Sing when you don't see the breakthrough. Rejoice in God when, when you're feeling the brokenness. Rejoice in God when you see other people Walking around you, I mean, in context of, you know, you know, when, when, if you want to be real about this, it's like you believe in God to have your own son or your own daughter, but all your friends around you are just falling pregnant. They're not even trying. They're not even praying about it. They just decided, you know, in January, we want to have a baby. So let's have a baby. And you, hear, but, but God is saying, don't look at someone else's fruit. Call your own fruits forth. Call your own fruits forth and praise yourself into your breakthrough. 
praise yourself into your breakthrough. When you can see God when there's no fruit, man, you're going to praise God when all the fruits are coming. You're going to praise God when all the fruits are coming. That's why sow the seed of prayer. Sow the seed of prayer to birth the revival because the fruits will always outweigh the seed. You will be praying for five hours a day, but God's about to reap 50 years of revival for a generation. God will cause 50 years of revival more than the eye can see, more than the ear can hear, more than your heart can contain, more than your mind can imagine. God will do for us if we sow, if we seek God. Sowing means as we sow, we seek God. We will see God do something for our generation. Sing, O barren woman. Then listen to this, verse 2. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Make room. That word enlarge speaks about making room. You know, I, I, to make it practical for you. I've, I, I have, I have, uh, uh, you know, I've got five children, by the way. I've got five children, by the way. And I had a three-bedroom house. And, and you know, it's cool when, when everybody's small and five years old and six years old. But once you become teenagers, everybody wants their own space. So I had to decide to build another room so that we could create space. I had a studio. I, I turned my studio into another bedroom. Now we have a five-bedroom house. But you see, I had to make room uh, uh, before my children could occupy the spaces uh, before they could could own their own bedrooms, I had to make room for what was coming. And, and, and many people are not realizing when the Bible says enlarge the place of your tent. That's not the breakthrough. That's the preparation. That's the preparation. When you're gonna make when you're gonna make room, and then it goes and says, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. You know when you when you enlarge, you're making you're making room. But, but look at this, when you're stretching, whenever you're going to stretch something, there'll be tension. Whenever you're going to, wait. so some of us are saying, man, this season, it's really feeling uncomfortable. Uh, well, it's supposed to because God's stretching you. Um, but here's the thing. When you are stretched, you also reach further. When you are stretched, you also are reaching further. Uh, you will begin to touch things in the spirit that you never believed you had access to. You'll begin to have revelation that you've never had before because God is stretching you in the spirit. You must remember manifestation is first spiritual before it's natural. You first got to believe it with not seeing it before it becomes something that you believe for and now it's tangible. The word, the Bible says in 1 John 4, in John 1 14, the word must become flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The things we are believing for, man, if we are believing for revival, the word must become flesh and we must see revival in our churches. If we want miracles, the word must become flesh and dwell amongst us. The Bible says enlarge, make room, uh, 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 stretch, uh, and then it says do not spare. I like that because sometimes uh, our lack of faith causes us to make room but not make room enough. To stretch, but not stretch enough. Because we're thinking, um, you know, it's a little uncomfortable. I think I'm going to go back to, to I'm going to just break my fast today. I'll start on Monday again. When God's saying, no, today, the day that you want to stop fasting is the day that you need to be fasting. Stretch yourself. You're saying, you know what? I've never read the whole Bible. 
in a year, but maybe this is the year that you've got to stretch yourself and, 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 and start by reading one book at a time, one book at a time. Don't, you know, someone said this to me, that you've got to read the word until the word reads you. That you've got to read, the, you've got to consume uh, the word until, you, until the word consumes you. Um, I think it's God chases the book. It says that, that you've got to chase after him until he starts chasing after you. You know, and, and I want to encourage you. Uh, the Bible says, do not spare. Then it says, lengthen your cords. And I like when it says, lengthen your cords. It is also speaking about taking more territory. Taking more territory. Look at how God causes a family to take more territory. I, I love making things practical for us so we can understand it. When, when my brother and I lived with my parents, um, the only land we occupied was the, the house that my parents had. When we grew up, I moved out and bought land and bought a house in a different part of the city. But all of a sudden, now, if anybody said, uh, what did the Goldmans occupy? Um, we can say, well, we have land in, 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 in Algoa Park. We have land in Newton Park. So what happened is the minute I moved out of my father's house and I lengthened my cords, I went somewhere else. I created more space for my family. All of a sudden, now when we look at the inheritance of our children, they have two homes to live in. They don't only have one home. So when you're saying you're going to lengthen, it also means that you are going to occupy more space, enlarge your territory, make room strengthen, be stretched, reach further. And then the Bible says lengthen, take more territory. Um, you know, when you, a, a simple thing in a restaurant, when you go to a table that can only take four, but you come with six, they've got to add another table. They've got to lengthen the table to make room for us who are going to fellowship. And I believe that's what God is going to do. God's going to lengthen the church. God's going to increase our territory. And then the Bible says this, and strengthen your stakes. Enlarge, make room, and then he goes and says, stretch, reach further, lengthen, occupy more territory. And then he says, strengthen. You know why you need to strengthen? Is because when the enemy comes up against what you're building, it, it is so strong that it doesn't matter what he does, you are not going to be shaken. You are not going to falter. You are not going to fall. And then the Bible goes on to say, so here's the thing, where there's preparation, Enlarge your, enlarge the place of your, of your tent. Stretch out your curtains. Where there's preparation, you do not spare in your preparation. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. All preparation. Preparation births expectation. When you have a plan, you write the plans down. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2, write the plan down. And for any of us, if you listen to this and you're into church planting and you're building church, I want to say this to you. The Bible says this. In Habakkuk 2, write the vision down. Write the vision down. That's your business plan. Write your, write your vision down. Uh, make it plain that they who read it, run with it. That they who read it. So when you have vision, God has not called you to run with your vision. Your vision's got to be so powerful that they who read it, that they who hear you, will run with the vision that God has given you. And then God is saying, you shall expand to the right and to the left and your de descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. This means that preparation 
births expectation, but expectation births manifestation. That we will come to a place and we will see, I, I made room, I enlarged, I, I, I stretched out, I lengthened my cause, I strengthened my stakes, and now I'm all of a sudden seeing, the Bible says in 40, Isaiah 43, 18, it says, forget the former things. Forget the former things. And verse 19 says this, uh, behold, I do a new thing. And I want to declare this over you as I wrap up, that as you are being enlarged, as you follow Jesus and he gives you more and you make room for Jesus and you have uh, just let him have his way, the Bible says, and then you shall expand to the right and to the left. You shall expand to the right and to the left. And I want to say, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? It's a simple verse in the Bible. We got to do it together. We got to do it together. We got to follow Jesus together. Don't follow Jesus alone. You don't have to follow Jesus alone. I am one of many. I'm one of many. If you love the passion that I have for Jesus, I'm one of many. If you love how, how I speak about God's word, I'm one of many. But it, it, takes, it takes commitment to say, God, I'm going to chase after you. When you call me, I'm leaving everything, God. Listen to this. Ephesians 2, verses 5, it says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And then listen to this. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us alive together. Come on, made us alive, resurrection power. The same power that, that, that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling inside of you. But we are we going to do it? He, he made us alive together, then raised us up together. I want to say this, when, as a father, um, I've got five children, but I've got to raise them up together, even though they're at different ages. And the body of Christ is like this. We all have, we all at different places with God. But you know what? God is saying it doesn't matter what place you're at. I'm going to raise you up together. I'm going to raise you up together. You know why? Because those who are weak in their faith needs those who are strong in their faith. And those who are strong in their faith needs those who are weak in their faith to remind them not to go back to where they used to be. And so we have to understand that God is raising us up together. And then look at this. Made us sit together in heavenly places. You know who sits? It's kings who sit. It's queens who sit. God is causing us to sit together, which means God is making us alive. That's resurrection power together. Resurrection power together. God is raising us up together. He's equipping us together. And then the Bible says that he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means God is restoring not only identity, but authority. I hope you are blessed uh, today by the word that I'm, I'm sharing with you. And I just want to believe God, if you will allow me to pray with you for one second, just to, just to say to the Lord, Father God, we don't want to do this alone. We're tired of journeying in the kingdom of God on our own. We got to do this together. Look at what Jesus did. Even though he called them individually, they did it together. He said, follow me and I will make you 12 men came together, follow Jesus. Come on. When God's saying enlarge, 
when God's saying uh, stretch, when God's saying lengthen, when God's saying strengthen, he's not talking to someone. He's talking to a people called the children of Israel. And he's calling them to say, let's do this together. So I want to pray today that, Father, you would just bless your people, everyone that's tuning in, everyone that will be listening to this, Father God, that even as they tune in, let them share it as well, Father God. Let them share what God is saying to them. And I just believe right now that there will be an endowment of power from on high if we will wait on you, God, if we will seek you. If we will seek you, we will find you, Father God. And if we find you, we will know you, Lord Jesus. So I pray today, Father God, that your word says that if you will tarry in this place, you will be endowed with power from on high, that there is a generation that is being endowed with power right now, that the Holy Spirit, that, that he was as ears, let him hear what the Lord is saying. And God is coming and resting upon you right now in the name of Jesus. For greater things shall you do, says the Lord. Greater things shall you do, says the Lord. And Father, I stand upon your word. I seal every word I release right now with the blood of the Lamb in the name of Jesus, by your spirit. Amen. And amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tristan. Uh, this is such an awesome time with you, family. God bless you. So good. All right, brother. Well, I did prepare some questions for you that I'd love to Perfect. go over. Um, the first section, I want to really talk about revival with you. And my first question is, um, okay. what is what is the purpose of a revival? Well, um, Psalm 35, I think it's Psalm 35 or 6. Um, I, I just want to make sure I'm quoting the right scripture, but it says this, won't you revive us again that your people may rejoice? Mm. That's what it says. Psalms 85, uh, it's make sure, you know, because when you, when you ask questions, you have to let the word speak for itself. <laughs> and, and so Psalms 85 verse 6 is, will you not revive us again that your people will rejoice? The purpose of revival is for us to remember and to remind us who we used to be. You, 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 you don't revive anything that's alive. You know, and sometimes we must remember, firstly, revival is not for the world. Revival is for the church. You can't make the world is already dead in the trespasses if you read Ephesians. But through the cross of Calvary, we come to Jesus, but sometimes we lose our way. And that's what revival is. It's the church becoming cold. Wow. And God has to awaken the church once again. And I believe that's the purpose of revival. So that um, that people can rejoice in him. Not rejoice in our breakthroughs. Rejoice in the miracles. We have to rejoice in the God of miracles. The Lord of the harvest. The God of breakthrough. So that's it, man. I, I believe God just wants to bring joy back into the church through revival that's very good um so from your experience like have you ever seen revival come and what happens when it comes to the church one one thing i can say i've, I've been fortunate um in our city that we've seen revival in different spaces um uh we did we did youth bashes um in our city and we saw thousands of young people come and one thing I know when it when it's re, when it's through revival, um, you can't control it. 
when it's true revival, God will touch the people. We will worship and we will think that we're going to end after the 20 minute set and we will stop when it's set, but we'll continue work. Mm. Um, we had youth meetings um, with 300 young people, 400 young people. We grew from 60 to about 450 young people. Wow. Um, and we would start praying. Uh, our pre-service prayer would start at five o'clock and we would end at half past nine. We wouldn't even get to our youth program. As the young people would come to youth, they would just, they would just, um, they would just, the hunger would take over. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When, you, when a generation comes to a place of saying, God, we want to be in right standing with you. And you see God. So I believe, number one, you can't control it. If you're going to control it, it, it you stop it. If you if you try and stop young people from going wild or getting getting a bit you know uh, jumping around and dancing and you want to say man you know what God's a God of order, um, uh, but sometimes maybe what looks like chaos to you is order. You know, um, I always say that when people ask me, um, you know, uh, Pastor B, what do you think of the joy and the laughing? Um, I always say that, that we're not in the business of sorrow and pain. So the joy and the laughing, um, for someone who's been depressed, God has to give them joy. Mm. For someone who's battling with anxiety, God has to give them freedom. Mm. Um, and, and if we don't understand the purpose of why God would be, you know, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen um, and this is the thing, you can't fake a move of God. And so the minute you, if, if, if true joy hits the church, like I said, it becomes uncontrollable. But when you start manufacturing, um, you start diminishing the power of God because when you manufacture something, it's based on your ability. And so if you're going to do it based on your ability, God's hand goes off it and you just see fingerprints of human beings on it. Mm. And the minute you take God's hand off a revival, the revival will come to an end. The revival will come to an end. Um, and you see it throughout throughout any revival. The minute um, uh, it, it's it's named after a man, it's going to stop at some point because we don't live forever. Mm. But when you say this is a revival of the Holy Spirit, that's got sustainability in it. When you say this is the revival of Jesus, it's 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 got um, it's got massive sustainability in it. Check this: Jesus is behold, I come quickly. And we're still waiting. <laughs> yes. So we, he's he's gonna keep us pursuing because we're gonna be we're gonna be waiting for him to come. But he's gonna keep us pursuing, and he's and, and while we're pursuing, he's gonna say, you know what? I think they haven't yet got enough people pursuing. So I'm just gonna hold on. I can come today. I can go to them and take them. I can I can come again, and and we can all meet in the clouds of glory. But I think. Um, you know, Brenton still got, got five daughters, uh, four daughters and a son that needs to encounter me in my fullness. So I'm just going to hold on. You know, um, uh, we, we, we still got to see much more people encounter him. So I think that's, that's kind of, you know, what, what God has just taught me based on contending for revival. You just got to let God do it. So good. Um, so how, like, I think a lot of people get nervous sharing their faith and mm -hmm. like, 
like it's easy when you're like i don't know i i've had the similar thing happen to me like when i'm at work or something and uh sometimes it can be like when someone's like oh you're a christian and you it's you can feel a little nervous to share like your beliefs you know because you don't want to get like persecuted right there so like my question for you is like how important is it for christians to share their faith with others well it's it's of it's of vital importance paul says this he says of first importance he doesn't say um you know uh maybe uh you know he says of first importance what i have received i give to you Mm. Of first importance, what I've received, I give to you uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, of of first importance that Jesus was, um, and I'm paraphrasing, that Jesus was crucified, that he died and he rose again. Of first importance, that's what you got to tell people. Yeah. You know, so when somebody says, how are you, um, you know, you got to tell them. And I I think when I, when I, when I think of sharing the gospel out, you see, it's easy to share the gospel in church. Because you, you're sharing light to, to the light. Yeah. Um, but when you're going to just walk into a mall and stop at, at a teller who's asking, you know, uh, can you pass your groceries? And, uh, uh, it's easy to share with someone um, when it's something that you are. Hmm. Uh, many people have not become followers of the way. Um, they know which way to direct people. You know, uh, if you want to follow Jesus, go that way. Um, but are you following him that way? Ah, you know, I'm I'm still dealing with this, and I'm still the. So when you when you when you when you have conviction, when you know this is what I believe, it's easy. And I think sometimes we think we got to give someone five scriptures, but just telling someone that Jesus loves them is enough. Wow, that's good. I believe that's enough. Telling them that whatever you're going through. I was walking around the beach the other day with my family and a guy was sitting on the bench uh, um, and he was just looking out at the ocean and I walked past him and the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, go back and, and pray for him. Mm-hmm. And I went to him and I just said, hi, my name is Brenton. Um, can I pray for you? Um, can I pray for you? I've also learned something that when you say you are a man of God, people automatically don't mind you praying. Because they think, okay, that's what a man of God's supposed to do. That's what a woman of God's supposed to do. You know, so um, I think whenever I encounter people, I always just share who I am and tell them, man, something has changed my life. I just want to share it with you. His name is Jesus. And even in that moment, it's just to say, hey, man, um, I need to share. Because that's why, why I'm using that scripture, you know, of first importance. How important is this gospel that you receive? And if it is important, you will share it. Wow, that's so good. Um, so you said something that really struck me uh, during your message. You said a seed for revival is prayer, and and I want like I wanted to talk to you about prayer. Like in your in your opinion, like how often should someone pray? And I believe they should pray every day, like the Bible says continually. And mm-hmm. then um, so we'll talk about that. Yeah. And then also I wanted to say like what should we be praying about for revival? Mm. Well, you know, uh, I just, I, I have to go to the word because otherwise I'm just going to play what's on my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, firstly, the Bible, when it, when it speaks about revival um, and you go to Joel 2, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Hmm. 
Zion's the, the holy hill. It's the place of God. And it's, it's significant because many people are blowing the trumpet in Babylon mm. and expecting a response. But we first have to awaken the body of Christ. If we want to see true revival, we have to see true unity in the body of Christ first. Mm. We have to come together, you know. And so the, the, one of the first things that I pray is God awaken the church. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Awaken the church. Then as you go further down, the Bible says, I think it's verse 13, rend your hearts and not your garments. Um, and and uh, the in, in, in Afrikaans, the, the language we speak here in, in South Africa, it says, if you, if you, if you say it in Afrikaans, um, I'll say it in Afrikaans and then I'll translate it. It says, um, skir net ni jylle harte. Um, it says, skir net ni jylle kleren nie, maar skir ook. And it says this, don't just tear your clothes before God, tear your hearts before God. And I love how that translates because many people can tear and say, you know, take my title away. But they're not saying, God, take what's in my heart away. And when we're praying for revival, it's going to come and say, we gotta, we got to say, God, um, we're going to rend our hearts and not our garments. You know, we're coming, uh, it's the, the infamous uh, uh, 1 Chronicles 7, 14. You know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear. Then speaks about the condition. Where there is, where there is no repentance, there will be no revival. Where there is no pursuit of righteousness, there will be no revival. Revival is not about altar calls. Revival is about seeing Acts 2 come to pass and everyone had everything in common. That's revival. We all have everything in common. We are fellowshipping. In our fellowship, we have everything in common. In our word, we have everything in common. You know, so so when it comes to, to these things, it's it's about, and you know, you ask something that's so important. How often should you pray? The Bible says this, and his praise will continuously be in my mouth. Continuously. Um, if, if, if the, and I think it's important to have times that you sit apart. The Bible would say Jesus went early in the morning. So there are times when you have to sit time apart. But I believe that um, when I'm driving in my car, because I drive quite a bit, I'm either taking my girls to school, picking them up, going to appointments. In my car, my car has become my secret place. And that's the time I just speak to God all the time. Lord, give me wisdom for this. I ask the Holy Spirit, you know, why, why would you say this in your word? Why would you, why did, why did Jesus say this? Um, can you give me understanding? And, and I think uh, prayer, if we understand it, prayer is just communicating with God. In, in, in Matthew 6, it says, when you pray, which means that this time, when the word when speaks about time. Um, when you go to shop, when you get to work, it's speaking about a, an appointed time. There has to be a time and you got to make time for God. If you don't make time for God, then you will be fooled to think that when you call upon him, he's going to hear you. Isaiah 62 um, says this, that your, 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 your iniquities has caused me not to hear you. Iniquities is the desire for sin. It's not sin. 
God saying, if you desire sin and you call upon me, I don't hear you. I can't hear you. Some people say to me, um, Pastor B, I've been praying, but God's not answering. I always ask them, what's your motives? What's your desire? Why do you want God to answer your prayer? Why do you want God to do? So I, I think just in that, that, that's a key for me is that I'm always in, in, in communication with Jesus. I'm always speaking to him. I'm always talking to him. But I definitely do set time apart in my day to seek God, to pray, to pray in my heavenly language, to open the word. And whether I'm reading to study or I'm just reading the Gospels, I love reading the Gospels. Um, and so I would just read and read until I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm good. Um, but I would just read. Um, and I think uh, the more you consume the word, the more you become like Jesus, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's, that's it, man. That's so good. Well, brother, I got one last question. And uh, okay. in one minute or less, I'm going to ask you okay. to answer it, okay? So what do you want to see God do in South Africa? Well, the, the only thing I want to see is that Jesus would come to our generation, heal our land, heal our people. Um, the Bible says that the son has come to seek and save them that were lost. He's not just coming to look where they are. He's coming to save them. And so I, I just like in Exodus, I want him to, to respond to the cries of the people. That's what I'm believing, God, that God's going to respond to the cries of the people. So Amen. Good, so good. So good. Hi, bro. <laughs> well, would you mind like praying uh, for everybody that's watching right now, uh, whether they're in South Africa or somewhere in the United States or somewhere mm -hmm. else in the world, just pray for yeah. a, um, <clears throat> a fresh encounter with Holy Spirit. Also, um, mm -hmm. everything we talked about, that they would just have uh, open ears to listen to God and the heart to read mm -hmm. his word and have just, just build yeah. faith. Amen. Amen. Okay. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Father God, just like Moses, Father God, had a burning bush encounter. Your word says that you drew his attention. I pray, Father God, right now, all across the world, where everyone is watching from, I pray right now, Father God, as a generation, come and draw our attention. Come and pull us to you, God. Come and come and draw us out of where we're coming from, out of where we're going to, Father God, to follow Jesus. I pray, Father God, that we would have an encounter, Father God, just like Elijah and his servant, where you would open our eyes to see, Father God. Open our eyes to see that they that are for us are much more than they that are against us. I pray, Father God, that we would come to you, Father God, with eager expectation, with eager expectation. Father, your word says that all of creation is waiting with eager expectation for the signs of God to be revealed. I pray today, Father God, that those who are watching, that there would be an expectation, Father God, a, a, a demand placed on our lives to do more for Jesus, to be more for Jesus, to be Jesus to our generation. Father God, we receive this. I declare, Father God, that the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Your word declares, place my name upon my people. I pray, I pray today, Father God, that we would be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in our coming and blessed in our going. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. 
and amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put it in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.